Just so you're aware, we don't have to. We we are in charge of this podcast. We don't have to contrive a seamless segue. Oh, we into don't. Talking. We no, don't. We don't. Person who always does it anyway. <laughs> when it listen, listen. When happenstance, when it happens to fall on my lap, I'm I'm not gonna look right. a gift. Start start the episode. Start the episode right now. Welcome to the Song Topsy Report, everyone, where Thank we you. dissect bad, bizarre, or otherwise noteworthy music to figure out how it died. See, Steve, it's possible. <laughs> I'm your host, Nick Brigadier. I'm Mike Russell. And I'm slightly mollified Steve Trollinger. <laughs> I have slightly mollified you. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. Listen, Steve, we can go back to hunting for segues. I don't want to do that. Uh, if this is your first time listening and you are very confused, thank you so much for <laughs> tuning in uh, as we discuss... Uh, what would you call Meatloaf? Would you call him a legend? Would you call him a lyrical genius? Actually, no, he doesn't write a lot of his music. So He, he, co- he, he co-produces. He doesn't write... All of it, but yes, he is. He is. He is involved. Yes. Um, but I consider him. He. I. When I was doing my research on him, uh, he. I came across this little factoid that he considered that his greatest fear, he considers to be, not being is being considered a clown and a joke. I thought you were term- gonna say ovens. Yeah. In terms of uh, in terms of musical. Like the musical industry as a whole, like he's afraid people consider him. Well, he walks a very dangerous line then, because his music is so (laughs) melodramatic and operatic. Like it's asking. Well, that's not, and that's not just him. That's that's his that's his songwriter and and uh, yes, and uh, and friend as well. Which I suppose I'll get in 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 due time. I don't know if we just want to launch into facts. He doesn't want to be a clown. Well, he doesn't want to be. Mike can't wrap his head around why someone wouldn't want to be a clown. I mean, why not? Making people laugh is great. Mike is wearing a rubber (laughs) nose as we speak. No, he's just drunk. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, sorry. I didn't have my glasses on. His nose is just very red. Yeah, he's just W. He gets very Fields. rosy. He's just W. C. Fields right now. Uh, but yes, we are going to dive in on today's episode to I think the longest single song we've done mm-hmm. on this podcast so right. far. Uh, Meatloaf's "Paradise by the Dashboard Light." Personal favorite song of mine. Uh, it's my go-to karaoke oh, closer. You are the worst kind of fucking person, <laughs> Steve. No, the worst kind of karaoke per- person is the guy who thinks he can sing Queen songs. No, 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 yes. no, no, no. Nobody no, no. can accurately. Nobody can accurately do Freddie Mercury without making it worse. There is like a two-minute breakdown in this song where there's not even any freaking singing. And it's just like you just got to dance around a little bit and then it starts talking about like the bases because it's like first base, second base, third base. And well, it's, it's like it's called performance, Michael. Oh you perform my. that part. You are eating up eight minutes of ca- two other people could have gone. You know, you're just you're hogging the mic, Steve. A yeah. mother with a small child. I'm sorry, Timmy. I guess we'll have to come back another night. Well, I don't use it. <laughs> I don't use it in like during the in an open mic setting. I use it in a like karaoke like re- in, a, in an oh. underwear by myself in my home. A setting. reserved room, like when you go to the actual karaoke clubs where uh, you get your own room. Oh, okay. That's right. a li- that's a little better. All right. <laughs> Did you hurt your ankle when you jumped to that conclusion? <laughs> oh, oh God, sprained. <laughs> well, you bumped your nose. Clearly, it's still so red. <laughs> Uh, but if you, the listener, are like me and weren't overly familiar with this, I'm familiar with with the with the the standard repertoire of Meatloaf songs. You know, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Uh, bad out of hell. But this one, I actually hadn't really heard much of. Bad out of hell, the song, or bad out of hell, the trilogy. 
Well, yes, it is a trilogy of albums. Uh, but here's a little bit of Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Do I feel? Classic, upbeat, happy-go-lucky feel. Certainly no questionable, outdated lyrical themes. Certainly I'm sure. not oh. a play in song form. Oh no, this is this is a broad. This song has acts. It has three acts. In three it. acts, yes. yes. And they each have titles. They I don't do. Know if you're familiar with that? Really? Yeah. If you actually look at the original 45, uh, the the record, you it actually has the titles of the. That's the whole record, by the way. Is that song? Yeah. <laughs> um. But all right, so so we'll get into some, some small facts. So Meatloaf uh, uh, was born uh, Marvin Lee a day in Dallas, Texas. Uh, he was the son of a preacher man. Oh, dude, he must have loved that song. Uh, he well, he a, a lot of it, and his mother his mother actually sang in a in a gospel choir. So he a lot of his a lot of his musical background comes from you know, like very soulful gospel uh, singing. I'll tell you, nothing nothing quite reaches into your soul, man, and just makes you. Ah, just feel like alive, like freaking gospel nothing, music, man. N- nothing, nothing made me rue my Catholic upbringing more than watching, like, uh, going to going to like a mass like that and going, oh, you mean people can enjoy being at church <laughs> and like sing and enjoy themselves and have fun, and have and, uplifting, <laughs> lively music. Oh, it's not, it's not all like in a dead language, and also everyone's bleeding and dead, and also you're a bad person. It's not like it's not all. It's not all like, and he will raise you up on eagles' wings. Then the mosh pit opens. Yeah. But, oh, dude, could you imagine moshing for God? Oh. I've seen some Pentecostal <laughs> church services. But that's basically what they're doing. But yeah, so so son of a, so son of a preacher man. Um, son of a preacher man. Uh, uh, he's a theater kid. Yep. Believe it or not. Um, he was in high school when he went to high school. He went to, he was, he's, I, I have a, a friend of mine who actually was very, had a very similar, I guess, high school experience, uh, to meatloaf. Uh, he was, a, he was a football player. He was like a cross, he was a football player, but he was also a theater kid. So he's like crossed, like cross pollination, like those two groups that, you know, if you have the stereotypical view of high school, never, ever met or talked to each other or diametrically opposed. Um, the name Meatloaf uh, actually was given to him by his high school football coach oh. uh, as a nickname based on his weight. <laughs> now, I don't know if that was a... I don't know the context of that, if it was the, like a football coach making fun of a teenager which because is, of his weight, which is possible, or since you know he is playing football, and I feel like that is the one circumstance where your weight is a benefit to you. So I don't know if like Meatloaf was just like, hey, come on, Meatloaf, let's go. You know, like, like let's do, like, do some more laps. Or if it was like... Hey, Meatloaf, how's it going? Or it's Texas. It's like, hey, Meatloaf, how's it going? I, what if he was just trying to make him more confident uh, on his, like, on what he was packing? You know what I'm saying? Like a loaf of bread, but, like, his meat. You know what I mean? It's, like, yes, soft, no, I know but what you mean. <laughs> but I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You mean not, ev- not, not, all, not all men require an entire sleeve of Hanes socks like you do? <laughs> You know what? That's a callback. <laughs> God damn it, Steve. Oh, go back go back and listen to our James Bond episode. That was a callback to that. Um, so it's a theater kid. 
Uh, he was in The Music Man, I found out, which is a show I've always wanted to be in. I don't know what he was in The Music Man. I assumed he was a lead character, but maybe maybe the... He like, played one of the trombones. Yeah. No, maybe like the Buddy Hackett character, like the who does Shapoopy. I don't know. He seems like a guy who could do the Shapoopy. I mean, that makes total sense because I, like, if this song is any indication, this is this is a song written by someone who wanted to be in a musical. Well, so they just created their was, own. It was also written by a man who writes musicals. <laughs> which we'll get to. Makes total sense. I think some of the most classic songs out there were like inspired by like things that could be in musicals and plays. Kind of like like you get the Queen album with like, you know, yeah, I've, Bohemian Rhapsody. That sounds like it could come right out of a freaking musical, well, there's, no doubt. There's a, so there's a, there's a genre of musicals called a jukebox musical, which is essentially, uh, <laughs> which Nick finds distasteful, which is, <laughs> so Mamma Mia is one. Uh, Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages is one. Essentially you... Uh, you, in the case of like Mamma Mia, you find a particular group or band or singer and you take their entire song list and you build a narrative around them. Um, so, uh, and I actually was trying for a long time to come up with a jukebox musical oh. using Meatloaf songs. Yeah. Oh, and this, this song would actually have been like, and I think Meatloaf would have enjoyed it too because it was all based, it was like in the 50s and like there was a like your stereotypical fifties like uh, uh, Americana Americano town um, Americana town, but there was like a there was like an old castle like up in the hills that was a, it was and it was like a vampire was living there and he was like pining after his long lost love who had been dead for hundreds of years and like one of the high school girls like was his her reincarnation and so he had like a Beauty and the Beast thing with like her boyfriend who was like the super jock <laughs> well let me guess this vampire's <laughs> body type would be described as meatloaf uh yeah maybe <laughs> so uh, so wait is it is but like it? the Paradise by the Dashboard Light would be like the op- like the opening like set up and like it would basically be the exact like what happens in the song happens well yeah in actually the, so, in the so, sorry Mike but uh Real quick, Steve, because I feel like you've... Before I even heard the song, Steve, I felt you very succinctly summarized what it's about. Because it's three acts, and I almost feel like for the listeners who haven't heard it yet, what what story does this song tell? What so it, troubling tale? It has, so it, it has three acts. Um, it has It's a three-act narrative structure, even with its own title. Act one is called Paradise. Act two is called Let Me Sleep On It. And act three is called Praying for the End of Time. Uh, and essentially... The um the writer the the writer of the song a man by the name of Jim, Jim Steinman who I'll get to later um said stated that he wanted to basically write the ultimate car slash sex song like the ultimate what was that George Lucas movie with the uh, American Graffiti yeah American Graffiti sort of thing but in which everything goes horribly wrong at the end and that is what happens uh so it is the song takes place in two different time periods the first two acts of the song take place. Uh, in the past, according to the two main characters, a female and a male protagonist, and the third act takes place in their horrible, depressing present. There's a lot of time jumps in this. The narrative so, is actually very so hard to follow. Are they also each other's antagonists? Yes, they are. They're playing both roles at once. Oh. Um, but yeah, they are... Uh, it is. It is the story of a boy in high school pressuring a girl to have sex with him. The girl... Demanding concessions from him that he could marriage, not, <laughs> marriage essentially that he could not possibly live up to. Agree to anyway because he was consumed with lust for her, and now twenty years later they are in a loveless, horrible marriage and they hate each other. And now they're singing about when they the the night everything went wrong for them. A little bit of 
Equal fault, I would say. Yeah, yeah you know. But and, in my jukebox musical idea, it's that. But also, there's a vampire that lives in a castle. Is he just like leering over the whole time? Well, because he does. What his big number is? Uh, is um uh uh oh, shit? What was the I song? do anything <laughs> for love, but I no, won't no, no, no. It wasn't that. It it was. It's all coming back to me now because oh, he's remembering. It his was lost so love. long ago, but it's all coming back. He's to remembering me. his lost love. Uh, which the girl represents and is in the inc- reincarnation of, and he's having like this big haunting number with her. It's a duet. Don't steal this idea, people who are better at musicals than I am. So, so, so I'm mailing it to myself as soon as we stop recording. Furiously writing the sheet music right now. So he he's having he's having the the memories because he became a the so, memories. So so he's with this lady, and he gets bit by a vampire, and they stick it out. She dies. He goes and lives in a castle, and then, like, 20 years later, this other lady is the reincarnation? No, that's not what happens in the song. That's my fan fiction that I'm turning uh, into a musical. Okay. We don't know for a fact that there's not a vampire we don't. in the periphery of the story uh, that's just not know. mentioned. We do not know. So, yeah, this uh, this song is all about teens having sex and living with the consequences forever. I will say Meatloaf played a vampire in the movie uh, Blood Rain, directed by Uva Ball, so he has experience in that Meatloaf, field. Meatloaf, of course, anyone anyone who is not familiar with him may know him as, um, in addition to Tom Waits, that one musician that you never realize randomly shows up in a bunch of movies. Yes. Oh, God. Fight Club, obviously Rocky Horror Picture Show. How old is Meatloaf now? He's uh... I mean, the Bad Out of Hell album came out like 40 years ago. Yeah. Like late sixties, early seventies. So he's about seventy himself. Yeah. Um, is he still rocking out? In a manner well, of speaking. <laughs> Mike, funny you mentioned that. So as an example of him rocking out, uh I found this video. I, I, please, please don't show the mic. Yes, thing. I have to I have to show this. Oh baby. So um Mike, I, I can't speak for Meatloaf in Mitt terms Romney, sorry. Yes. I can't speak for him uh at least as of like this year. But in 2012, you may have caught him at a rally for then-presidential candidate Mitt Romney, where he endorsed him and sang a little bit of America the Beautiful. So this is an example of him rocking out more recently. America, 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 He's still got. He's still got. After forty years. Oh my God! No. Still rocking. God, that is the most like hardcore Mitt Romney has ever sounded. Yes, dude, he sounds more, that's like more of Meat Croak, man. He sounds <laughs> like Jesus, dude. That's awful. He needs to he needs to set up the mic and do at home. What are you talking about? He still has it. He has. I think his most recent album came out like in 2016. Like he still he still got it, <laughs> oh, dude. That's awful. Which is which is funny considering like the his singing is very he he is he is a very rare talent in terms of his like the the width and breadth of his singing just pure singing voice like he's up there with like Celine Dion in terms yes. of like the power of oh. behind his voice and the fact that he's been able to like maintain that for like 40 years is is almost a miracle uh so i don't know if we want to so act 1 uh 
What yeah, was, yeah. What is it? Act one, a paradise. Yes. But keep in mind, yeah, paradise by the dashboard light, it's essentially having sex in the car. Yeah, it's that's car what sex. The, that's, yeah, that's what the paradise is. Everyone's, everyone's hanging Which, out in lover's the way, lane. Which, by not easy, man. I mean, I remember the last Tell time. us more. Um, well, last time I did it, dude, it's like you, you got to climb in the back seat, and then it's like you got to push the front seats all the way up, and if you haven't cleaned your car, it's just a fucking mess, man. It's like if you had eaten in your <laughs> like own bed. Chicken wings are digging into your sides. I mean, there's, yeah, it's, and then like, and you just can't, I mean, honestly, finding a good position is tough. I just, I think you just got to go doggy. Mike, I'll, <laughs> I mean, that, I feel like, By the side of the car. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Get out of the car, and then just do doggy. <laughs> Like I'll do you one better. My car was a Fiat 500. Oh my! God. It's essentially a go kart. <laughs> what position could you do in a Fiat? I'm just trying to imagine. Like, <laughs> uh, I tried a position uh, called the Bat Out of Hell. There's the Bat Out of Hell. There's the There's the Fiat Finagle. There's the uh, Italian Stallion. Um, and, the, and the good old fashioned Fiat Fuck. You know, just yeah. boom. Just oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, but did you want to get into Act One Paradise? Yes, yes. I, I have more information, but I don't want to front load. Sure, sure. So uh, we open uh, exterior. Yes. I'm totally every time that every time that part comes on, I totally imagine some sort of uh, uh, Jets versus Sharks, like yeah. people hunched over, snapping their fingers, bouncing to that particular part. <laughs> it's all of the vampires' hench people. No, Nick, that takes place later, and the vampire doesn't have. Oh, they henchmen. could be hunchbacks. They could. They could the be vampire eagles. doesn't have over. henchmen. He's alone. That's why he's so upset. Aww. But even alone, listen, I f you can feel you're most alone when you're surrounded by other people. Having lived in New York City for long enough, I can attest to that. <laughs> Yo, I'm sorry, just thinking alone. It'd be funny if this whole song <laughs> was like if he was singing to himself. I was going to say. For the first time he like the, uh, <laughs> was, was getting up. No, what's her name? Yeah, Ellen Foley, the person he has to do out with, uh, is his hand is what you're saying? Yes. Just mouthing along? <laughs> not not <laughs> Night Court's <laughs> Ellen Foley. Oh, she was in Night Court. She was. Um, she was in the first season of Night Court. She played. She played the public defender character that eventually became Marky Post's part. Yes, because the uh, the song is a duet. Yes, um, he does a lot of duets actually. Um, he does. He does this. He does one with a, a musician named Marion Raven. Uh, we, they do. They duet on. Uh, it's all coming back to me now. Yes, which uh, he tried to steal from Celine Dion. Now, okay. <laughs> okay, no, that's, that's a huge can of worms, Whoa! but I gotta say, there's a lot he of, wanted that song. There's a lot of legal legal mumbo jumbo involved in that song. I guess I'll get into that. So a lot of so <laughs> yeah. so he, he he had a long he had a career as an actor. Uh, he was actually on Broadway for a time in Hair when Hair was on Broadway originally. Ugh, um, the end of Act One. I wouldn't want to have seen him in. Um, uh, and then after that, he was cast in a show called More Than You Deserve at the Public. 
Oh, um, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, the Rocky Horror Show and then the Rocky Horror Film Show. Um, and then while he's working at the public, uh, he met his future collaborator, a man named Jim Steinman. Mm. Uh, and Jim, he and Jim Steinman worked together on what Jim Steinman would later coin uh, uh, Wagner- Wagnerian Rock. So they... Not a bad title yeah, for it. So it was actually them and in, con- in conjunction with Phil Spector. Um, N- no shit. So Phil, I didn't know that. Phil Spector had a, uh, had a, a, a musical style that he had developed in the studio called wall of sound which was essentially uh make make the music big and lush and operatic so that if the material is lacking it's still a great song yeah uh and sort of they took that and then went one step further and there's you know so they punctuated it with a lot of it's like rock and roll meets a 19th century opera um meets 50s doo-wop in this song yeah so uh it's you know if you heard a song if you've heard a song that was uh, ha- had an unusually long playtime, had bombastic and sweeping orchestral music and lyrics. There's a good chance it was a Jim Steinman song. And a lot of those songs could only be sung by people with that that power to them. So, like, yeah. he primarily worked with Meatloaf. After that, he worked with Bonnie Tyler. So her, her album, Faster Than the Speed of Night, he wrote that song and also uh, uh, the uh, uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart. Yeah, oh. I, I appreciate what Steinman's doing, but Jesus, man, why does he make him so long? Uh, so like, so like, point like, of fact, uh, when Meatloaf... Six minutes, man. Six minutes would be well, right. point of fact, when Meatloaf wrote Paradise by the Dashboard Light, it was 27 minutes long. What? Oh. It was its own album, essentially. Uh, and they cut it down to 825. When you consider that most most songs are marketed at like 305 at max... Yeah. The fact that he was pared down for, like, the album version was eight minutes. The single version was five. He pared it down to something that was already two minutes longer than most songs. And that so, was only by cutting out the entire baseball play-by-play well, I was, in the middle. And I was going to the 19 minutes he cut out of the 27-minute original long, was that just more meatloaf simulated sex noises maybe i couldn't fi- i couldn't find out what it was oh yes listen stay tuned and this this song so was uh, on on bad out of hell one yes there eventually yes be- there eventually became three bad of ha- out of hells um so most uh, a lot of people's like conception of the songs that uh, uh, like meatloaf songs are from this first album maybe one or two from the from parts two yeah. and three um but they're all like this they're all big and bombastic and take advantage of the power of his voice um, and uh, the uh, first Bad Out of Hell album is actually um, one of the best-selling albums of all time. Yes, yes, it I read that. It still sells about 200,000 copies a year. What? Yeah. To this to day? To this day. Damn! Um, but yes, this song is nine minutes long, so let's go! Yeah. Yep. Teenagers fucking, everyone. That's what you're listening to right now. Yes, barely 17. Naked 16 Must have been one of those states where, like... (laughs) This was Mississippi. (laughs) I remember when I was 17, doing my first, you know, dashboard right paradise night. Yeah? Did you have have an experience very similar to the one Meatloaf describes? Oh, uh, well, mine was interrupted by a police officer who pulled in. And I saw the the flashy I'm lights. Shocked and amazed. Yeah. And my girlfriend was younger than me by a few, hey. by a couple. Of oh years. wait, was this the three infamous years? three year rule? The infamous three years rules. Now let me tell you, as a seventeen year old, it's kind of you're you're really listen. Now I did all my research now because you look at me like that. It's 
perfectly legal. Yes, we know all of the lists you're on. <laughs> okay. But in any case, but I panicked, right? And we weren't going all the way. Just like you weren't gonna go all the way tonight. You weren't gonna <laughs> yeah. go all the way tonight's tonight. Yeah, she made you, you weren't promise. gonna go all the way tonight. Tonight, tonight, all day, tonight, tonight. Right, we made it to like third base, but I panicked when I saw the police lights, so I just jumped out with no pants on, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> and the cop drove by. He was chasing uh-huh. someone else. <laughs> Baby, don't you make me jump out of this car without my pants. <laughs> Like a bat out of hell, man, right yeah. out of the back yeah, seat. Yeah, you jumped out of the back seat <laughs> half naked, but the bad half like a bat out of hell. <laughs> Trying to remember how bad out of hell goes now. <laughs> like a bat out of hell, be gone when the morning comes. He w- Thank you. Yeah. yeah. He was he was startled, man. <laughs> so I feel like a lot of the I feel like the the oeuvre of meatloaf is uh, something that definitely a appeals to you and your sense of nostalgia. The whole Bad Out of Hell album is about a guy trying to escape from commitment. <laughs> Does that resonate with oh, you, Mike? Because oh. <laughs> I want you, I need you, but there ain't no way I'm, I'm ever gonna love, love you. Now don't be sad, because two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> I think that's your that's yeah. your anthem. That's, yes. I feel like that's your anthem. <laughs> Maybe teenage Mike. That's teenage Mike's anthem. I want to say. I feel like I've 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 grown in my years. I'm casting now. you definitely in the lead role of my not the vampire, but I'm casting oh. you as like the douchebag football guy. Oh, Steve, I'm <laughs> flattered that you would consider me for that role. <laughs> Mike, when you uh, were in court before going to jail. Uh, were you char- were you charged with three different charges that you were only end up serving for two of? And then did you tell your parents two out of three ain't bad? Yeah, because the two were misdemeanors. I I avoided the felony. So oh, thank Christ! Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> Don't be sad, mom and dad, because two out of three ain't bad. Man, I didn't know this would fit your life. This 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 it's like a glove. Ooh. Like a glove. The only difference was, in, at least in Meatloaf's song, they were both 17. Yeah. They were both 17, Mike. Let's continue because I want to get to these lyrics. Yes, up. yes. Try not to dance. Try not to dance, listeners, when you hear that. Song. We are all standing and dancing at this very moment. All right, these are some of my favorite lyrics right here. Here's where the doo come in. The shoop shoops, the shoop shoops. So open up your eyes, I got a big surprise. It'll feel alright. We'll wanna make your motor run. Oh, and um, word of warning to guys out there. Don't advertise it as a big surprise. Yeah. You don't know what her experience is. Chances are... I think it's real gem- gentlemanly of him, though, to uh, ask her to open up her eyes, though. <laughs> I feel like if she's, it was the opposite, yeah. it would be kind of... <laughs> yeah, kind of gross if he was like, close your eyes, it got a big surprise. Jesus It'll feel Christ. all right. Yeah. <laughs> Have her eyes just been closed this entire time, though? Here. She opens her eyes. Wait, who the hell are you? Where are we? Why, why are we by the lake? <laughs> Keep in mind, she's doing this and making out and doing all this stuff with Meatloaf. Imagine Meatloaf, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, imagine the physical form yes. of Meatloaf. Yeah, you're right. We haven't taken the time. Pause for a moment. 
ghost and imagine meatloaf you can google images of him you know at, at really whatever age you want I, and i always prefer you find a picture of him as eddie in the rocky horror show i would argue that's the sexiest meatloaf has ever <laughs> <Yeah>. looked <laughs> especially that like lobotomy pompadour scar. pompadour lobotomy scar uh, leather vest leather it was a leather jacket oh yeah. yeah it was a leather vest yeah riding a motorcycle and a saxophone saxophone somehow and then it gets butchered by Tim Curry. Immediately after Frank, that song. Frank, no! <laughs> so she's opened her eyes, and I'm sure Meatloaf's perfectly proportionate surprise I is... can only assume. Giant loaf of meat. That's what he... <laughs> oh, my God. Mike, it was right there in front of him this whole time. Why was he just like... It's my loaf of meat. It's called the brout worst, but it's the brout best. Scott, sorry, I just I threw up on my mouth a little bit. I'm just trying to choke back that, <laughs> trying brow, to choke back that good time vomit. The brown best. Welcome to Broadbest. Welcome to Broadbest. We have two dollar beers nightly. I also challenge our listeners um, who have seen this particular show uh, that I'm about to mention, uh, just try to hear at least this verse and not think of the cast of Glee singing and dancing to it. They thought, so yeah, when I Googled this, Glee did this song and it was infuriating. I don't, I don't know why. Listen, the kids on Glee were very talented singers, it's like nails on a chalkboard every time I see a Glee production of a song. Well, dude, they, they... But try, try to imagine them not doing it. Like this song is perfect for them. It for, is for their for their brand of for for like you can imagine their band them is squeaky clean fun. You can imagine <laughs> them doing like the little snap dance and like doing. They the did do it. Yeah, they did. I know. That's what <laughs> I mean. They fucking did it. I did. That's what I mean. I can't get. That's just what I think of now. Was there a tubby guy on Glee? Not really. That's the problem, man. There was no meatloaf standing. You need a meatloaf no. standing. You should have had it. They should have had a guest like a Joe yeah. jo Corbin. He was on Glee. What's his face? Meatloaf was on an episode of Glee. Well, he should have. Was he not on that? He wasn't. Why on, wouldn't he be on that? Because episode? he was on the he Rocky sang America Horror the, episode. Yeah. Oh, you can't. Oh. Yeah, actually, no. Uh, that uh, performance of America the Beautiful that was from that Glee episode. Actually, <laughs> oh it wasn't. Matt. That it wasn't Mike. It wasn't. Was, oh, but Jesus, that was bad. <laughs> I, I still. I, I to this day can't think. Was he doing that on purpose? Was he heartfelt? Because we don't know his political leanings, but and I don't particularly care to know. But um, was that like on purpose? To you think that cost him the election? Was that a sabotage, or was that him actually very like trying to trying to do right by Mitt Romney? I think you're overthinking it. I think he was just drunk out of his mind. Oh, I hope it's. That. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he does drink though really i don't know for certain but his father was an alcoholic oh so well that means he would certainly he either, be more prone to well drink. that's he's either more prone or more vigilant i, th I feel like with, with a history of alcoholism it's either one or the other well based on the recklessness with which he got married to a girl he bangs in a car i would say that's within the narrative nicholas <laughs> well actually on that note so uh let, let, let's, let's get, get to, to the banging. Well, let's get to part two. <laughs> let's get straight. We've been singing about the banging for five minutes now. Let's get to it. I'm sick of all this foreplay nonsense. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, let's let's cut the foreplay. So part two. Um, what did I say? The title was part two. Um, baseball uh, fucking. He, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, but 
Uh, and I actually got like a Yankees announcer. I can't remember his name, but a famous Yankees announcer to do this part. And there's like some back and forth as to whether or not he knew the context of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Meatloaf himself is fairly certain he was aware of the context of it, but because like he didn't want his like reputation to suffer, he like was like, I had no idea they were going to use it for this purpose. <sighs> Now, I'm curious how... I mean, the baseball metaphor for sex had to have been established by this point. Oh, we established oh, well, that in our... Take, our take Me Out to the, the Ball game, game episode. Yes. Oh, we keep plugging other episodes. I love it. <laughs> Who is... What was that girl's name? Christy? Uh, Sally? S- something Lou. Uh, Cindy Lou? C- yeah, little Cindy Lou. Little Cindy Lou who? Uh, let Me Sleep On It. That's, t- that's act yes. two. Let Me Sleep On It. Let, let Me Sleep On It is actually bifurcated. There is a uh, there is a spoken word. By curious for Katie. Yes, there is a spoken word uh, <laughs> acting portion and then a singing portion. Yes, but I gotta say the the, uh, the tempo change is quite abrupt when it happens. I love, I can only imagine announcing it like that in the car. You know, it's like you're making out for a little bit. You're talking, you're holding close to, oh, it's cold and lonely tonight. And then all of a sudden you start, we're going all the way, baby. We're going all the way tonight. What nobody saw was in this room right now, I acted, I forced these two to act out with me in my head how I feel this musical number goes in my jukebox musical. Yeah, I did love which that is, Which is, which is, there's, there's two, there's two other people? Basically, well, no, because I'm imagining like a line of cars because it's like a makeout point scene. Yeah. So like, think of like the T-Birds and the Pink Ladies and you've got, um, from Greece and you've got like, basically a bunch of like teenage boys a bunch of teenage girls and they're having a big like song and dance number to this and uh i'm imagining this part the two groups have separated based on gender and like all of the men are like grasping onto each other's shoulders going we're gonna go all the way tonight we're gonna go all the way tonight it's like like really like getting each other like yeah prepared and pumped for what's about to happen and, the, <laughs> and all the all the and the, like the feet like the women are, are to to the side like like because it's 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 basic. I am using very bad feminist, like anti-feminist, you know, like fifties view of women. So they're of all like gender. In, yeah, so they're yeah. all like in the in the corner. No, but like, see, do checking their makeup. You could turn stuff. it on its head though. When the guys are, like pipe each other, we're gonna go all the way tonight. We're gonna go all the way tonight tonight. All the guys just end up having sex with each other, and then the women have <laughs> sex with each other, and just a gay and lesbian like fuck fest. I guess. I guess we could. That would that. be progressive. It would be. Progressive. Uh, and the vampire watches it all. <laughs> The reason I use Vampire, by the way, is because uh, Jim Steinman wrote a musical, The Dance of the Vampire, Tanz der Vampire. Uh, it was a German musical. Yes! I, yeah. I, I've heard of that, yes. Yeah, he wrote that. Makes total sense. Yeah. So that's why I think they'll be on board with my Vampire musical. You are listening to Meatloaf in the pre-sex phase, everyone. Remember the, remember the picture of Meatloaf in your head. now, Or Google it and have Google. it in front of you right now, now. Imagine him in a car getting sweaty with a lady. <laughs> Do it. Do it. 
We're not continuing the song until do you it. do it. And he is flying through these bases. Flying, dude. He's gone from make out to boob action to pussy grabbing all in a matter of about 45 seconds based on this uh, baseball announcer. Right? Is that accurate? Yeah, we can only assume he's going in real time. Oh. Yeah. I mean, the song is long enough. It's like it's like the movie Titanic, where like it sinks in real time, like to how long it took in the movie. I cannot stress how important it is to our our con- concept of this song as something that's worthy for us to do an episode on. For you to just continually imagine the physical form of Meatloaf doing all of this. That's really where the crux of my, my reasoning for doing this song on this show is. See, in my head, I'm just imagining a girl with a giant, like, actual pile of meatloaf. <laughs> with some googly eyes? Yeah. <laughs> Two little googly eyes. I'm not going to lie, guys. I could go for some meatloaf right now. <laughs> yeah. Second base. This kid really makes things happen. Phil Rizzuto, that's his name. Phil Rizzuto, that's the broadcaster. What is stealing a base in this metaphor? Uh, well, it's a, it's called a suicide squeeze. I but I don't. Oh, yeah. that's I, anal. I, I, <laughs> that's got to be anal. I don't know enough about baseball to know what a suicide squeeze was. It's like a suicide. It's like a suicide dive, like yes. a, like a slide, like suicide slide into into home. Because you end up dirty either way. Yeah. But I don't know why it's called that. So <laughs> any any of our listeners who are more uh, who who not have a more expansive baseball knowledge base. Well, I think expansive is the problem. Yeah. Oh my god. Ooh, now I'm regretting uh, doing this. Oh you're saying you you pick a song where Meatloaf has uh, simulated sex, and you're like, oh boy, this was guys, a mistake. Too far, guys. <laughs> this was the song that inspired the show. Sex sent me to the ER. <laughs> Mike, I feel like if you were, I feel, Mike, I feel like if you, if this was the '50s and you were like the kind of guy who names his car like people did back then, that's the car name for you, the Suicide Squeeze. There's like Grease Lightning, Suicide Squeeze. Well, what's the difference? No, what's what, what, what happened? Well, what's cool about the Suicide Squeeze, Mike? Oh man, it always gets where it's going in the grossest possible way, yeah. <laughs> and probably someone will kill themselves afterwards. <laughs> you want to talk about a Suicide Squeeze? Let me tell you, my Fiat was so tiny so impractical for so many things guys can i say for the can i say because i never have ever said this before how much i'm enjoying talking about this song in this episode <gasps> that never happens unless steve picks the song yeah <laughs> yeah yep. that's the magic formula i think there's just there's something's lining up there yeah it's almost, Our- as, it's almost <laughs> as if i only want to talk about things i like These are these are two 16-year-olds. No, barely 17. Barely 17. Okay, they just turned 17. Their birthdays were both yesterday. And they they are they are they are uh, about to embark on a teenage ritual that uh, that many people embarked on in that time and place. Not anal. And no. <laughs> and <laughs> in, hey, Nick, it's a new day and age. 
Oh, but back in then. Okay. And yeah. and <laughs> they, I I find it difficult to believe that even in like let's say this is the fifties that they're that they're that they're like hearkening back to. Mm-hmm. I find it hard to believe even that in that time and place that women would be like demanding marriage from the boys they were about to. I think certainly a subsect. What um, what is a um. You think there's a kink for uh, commitment? You know what I'm saying? Or has everyone got that? I'm just saying because like they're in like I this, get turned on by commitment. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe she's just like, yo, man, I, I need to like you know get this commitment to get my juices flowing. Well, that's gonna be like a role play thing then. I also feel like this is borderline territory where we're about to talk about how we think women are. <laughs> well, my favorite, I, my favorite topic. Well, I think women are this. <laughs> well, I think women are this. Listen to Mike Explains Women on uh, the new podcast on Dapper Devil Productions. Listen. <laughs> That's what it's just called. Listen, exclamation mark, with Mike Russell. <laughs> I would totally listen to that podcast. Oh and give it five stars on Apple Podcasts, <laughs> like you should on our podcast. Sorry, I just interrupted you. But no, I was just saying, so so. this definitely feels like a thing where we could, we could, we could extrapolate... Um, to our to our detriment, uh, and say things like, "Well, well, I believe that for certain women, certain it, depending on where their family, what their family life is, you could make a uh, an argument that, well, if they come from a broken home, perhaps commitment, a thing they have not experienced, is a thing that could be a turn on, or." it could be a turn on to them to see the same thing that they see on a daily basis, which is like the opposite of commitment. Well, also you're talking about teenagers here, right? So I remember, and as uh, I'm not, I know you've talked all the time about being a Roman Catholic and growing up and the whole premarital sex and being like, Oh, you have I talked about that? Oh, nonstop. (laughs) It's premarital sex. This premarital sex that I'm just wondering, like, let's say they didn't go through that. Do you think that she would have been happier? Or do you think the sex was just really bad? And it's just... Well, listen, so th- this is a cautionary tale to both genders, which is actually kind of why I like this song. This is about guys not thinking with their dick all the time. <laughs> and, and it's about ladies, stop being so clingy. <laughs> no, it's, a, it, it, it's about forcing this perception of purity on women that still happens to this day in abstinence-only sex education, which still permeates much of this country, in that the idea is like, you become lesser the more people you have sex with. Oh, boys will be boys. They're exactly. keeping, let's keep a running tally because that's how we measure our manliness. Yes. yes. These kids should just give their word to stay a third, man. I'm telling you, with more people eating veg and giving blowjobs, there'd be, you know? Is I, that the platform you'd run on? That, <laughs> like I, uh, as a freedom party? <laughs> as the freedom Stay party. on third, boys and girls. Uh, you just see the giant billboard of him like thumbs up and in mid wink and then over near it says Mike Russell vag eating <laughs> dick blowing 2020 yes and the poster where he's giving the thumbs up he's in a baseball uniform on third base yeah. oh that's a that's a good one that's good look he's got his hands <laughs> to his sides yes. right now in, in I can a, picture I can in, literally an, um, can picture in an um position umpire position give, give him the signal <laughs> come on it's good but just still third <laughs> this is oh yeah this is kickball rules. You can have a lot of people at third base. Just don't go home. Yeah. 
Good answer. <laughs> For listeners, Steve is winking profusely every time this, let me sleep on it. We can probably actually skip ahead because this is, this is the song over and over again for the next several minutes. Yes. This does have, this does have a repeating, again, they don't know when to stop. Oh no! The song, yeah, because they go all yeah. the way. Well, no, I just mean—I mean, in terms, maybe the songwriting process is a metaphor for for the for their their sexual conquests. But the song doesn't seem to like they will repeat certain things over and over again and slightly change things. Um, they they just get too lazy to stop after a while. Well, are they trying to build the tension? Is that what it yes, is? Yes, because it does. Towards the end, it does ramp up to a to a to a place where it didn't. It wasn't at the previous two verses. They did it. I feel like they could have gotten to that point a little sooner, which is, you know, sometimes that happens, though. You're, you're in foreplay, you're down there, you're doing your thing, and the next uh-huh. thing you know, the girl just says, fuck me already, and then you're, you get too nervous, and then you don't do anything. And it's, you know. I feel like you have, you have sexual experiences that the rest of America doesn't yeah. encounter. You know what it's like. <laughs> you're in the bungee cord, you jump off, and she's like, I don't want to bungee jump and fuck at the same time. You know how it goes. <laughs> I'm just saying, in terms of like like stereotypical American sexual experience of, you know, like the the joke, the big joke is always, oh, you know, women, they always love, you know, it's always a bunch of foreplay before yeah. you can get to anywhere. and. And Mike's just like, you know how, like, women, they're just like, enough with the foreplay, let's have sex. Just like, are they, you are, you are bucking the trends in terms of, in terms of the casual American sexual experience. You know, women, they're always like, pour the candle wax on me already. I'm getting impatient. Am I right, guys? Stephen is acting this out like he's having a religious experience. I love this dude. I'm a big fan of this. He's a son of the preacher. He's the son of a preacher man. That's his. That's his come to Jesus moment. Yeah, you could tell. That's his come to Jesus moment. Also, my favorite moment. Well, like, come on, Jesus. No, no, you did it, Nick. No, no. My come on, Jesus moment. Who are you, Mary Magdalene? What's going on? No. Steven, I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. <laughs> it's my own fault. I had a plethora of other songs I could have chosen that would have that would have been also fine. Though the two of you would have found some way to make a sacrilegious sex joke out of that too. But that's his so that's his that's his religious that's his religious moment where he's 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 so he is he is caught up in a in a in a oh man, what is that? What is like it's erection? A, it, What's no, that? <laughs> it's not zeal. It's not z- a zealotry. It is when you have this uh, this moment of like pure, transcendentalism. Yes, like pure sexual transcendentalism. Yes, of I am transformed. I can I can no longer go on as I have been, as I as I am until you and I do the nasty. I totally live that moment. I did. 
It was the first time. Oh boy, you know maybe I shouldn't say this. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Half this episode has been your sexual experience versus meatloaf sexual experience, and how they're basically interchangeable. Well, typically, guys, I I, I like to pull out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, I think we're gonna move <laughs> okay. on with this. So now I'm praying for the end of time. When Mike says, "You know, I typically pull out," that's the cue to move on. Yeah, yeah. So hurry up and So, so sorry to cut you off. You were, you were so in, you were so in the. Uh, oh, what was the term we just used? The transcendentalism. Yes. of it. it's no. Uh, there's a there's a word for like like a dur uh, like a dervish, or there's a word for like a transcendental sexual experience, and I can't remember what it is. It's called Nick Brigadier's bedroom. Maybe tantric. <laughs> maybe tantric. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I gotta look that up. It's gonna yeah, bother me. you you look that up. But at this point in the song, it's taking place now in the quote unquote present day. It's it's meatloaf figuring out that this was the moment where it all went to shit. Because he's praying for because he said he would love her till the end of time, and now he's praying to the for the end of time so that he can get out of his commitment. Exactly. He's he's asking the Lord his savior to prematurely destroy the earth and bring about the kingdom of God and heaven on earth so he could get away from this woman he married at seventeen. Boy, talk about being super anti divorce though. I mean, just willing to suffer. I will not get divorced. I am a man of principle. I would rather God rain down fire and destruction on the whole human race than go through divorce proceedings. That's Catholicism for you. There is something admirable about it, though, right? I still... Admirable? Admirable. Because you know what? Vows... vows It's not not an episode until I correct someone's grammar (laughs) or pronunciation. Vows don't seem to mean anything anymore. People just say they're going to do shit and then don't. Okay. Like when I said I'd be here at 3 o'clock. And, and you I... were here at like 4.30. Okay, here's the part in every episode when Mike spends roughly an hour or so espousing some sort of belief system or system of action. And then at the end of the episode, espouse the exact opposite of the thing he's been talking about for the past hour. You know what really bothers me? The fact that nobody keeps to their vows anymore. Cut to less than two minutes ago. You know, pulling out is a really important thing to do. Well, speaking about uh, the end of time, this eight-minute song is almost over. and I thought we made pretty good time for, for talking about it, considering how it takes us like an hour and a half to talk about a three-minute A two-minute-long little yeah. pump song? Yeah. Um, sorry, composer's name? Uh, Jim Steinman. Yes, I, I think he was successful in what he wanted his song to do. It's like the yeah. it's like passionate lovers lane classic fifties song where everything goes wrong. In researching Jim Steinman, I found that for the most part, when he sets out to have a very specific goal in mind for his song, he more often than not achieves it. So, like that was his goal for this song. He achieved it. He also wrote um, uh, "It's All Coming Back to Me Now," which yep. he wrote based on the novel Wuthering Heights and the story of Heathcliff and that's about Wuther holy yeah. shit I never pieced that together um, well that was how he that was how he yeah. he started writing it anyway um, and oh yeah it's all coming back to me <laughs> now 
Um, and it's his goal in that point was like, I wanted to make the most goddamn romantic song anyone has ever made. But yeah, I feel like he sets out. He sets out. No, he sets out to write. He was sets out like I'm going to do this, this, and this with the song. And he, he had succeeds. he had an intention, and it came across very well, I believe. But that is about it for Paradise by the Dashboard Light, which really wasn't a paradise at all. It was hell. Yeah, but that doesn't fit the meter. <laughs> yeah, hell. Paradise by the Dashboard Light. That's no. That's a purgatory in the car. It's like the same number. <laughs> no. Is that where you just stand there, like, <laughs> don't touch each other? No, that's that's the uh, that's it's more like a crucible where they're like in constant battle with each other to determine if they're worth their souls are worthy of heaven. Yeah. Ah, uh, and that's a that's a story for another time. <laughs> yes. And on that note, guys, thank you so much for listening to us discuss uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light and sex and yes. <laughs> yeah. But it really goes hand in hand with yeah. the song. You're welcome. Yes. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Play, on Red Stitcher. Tube. Red Tube. Red uh, Pornhub. Yes, please follow our new Pornhub account. If you want to pay premium, go to Brazzers. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, bonus content on Brazzers. Uh, and like guest stars on an episode of Bang Bros. <laughs> it's one of the ones where they're in a van. Yes. <laughs> more space, more elbow room in those things. Yeah. That that uh, that video is called Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Paradise? No, it's called Paradise by the Walnut Wood Paneling. Uh, you can also follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, and you can follow me personally at Nick Breedier on Instagram and Twitter, and Mr. Mike Russell. Uh, yeah, you can find me on MrMikeRussell.com, that's MrMR, or on my Instagram at MrMikeRussell.com, that's MrMR.dot. And yeah, like Nick said, you know, th- please throw us your song suggestions. Leave us a review. That'd be awesome on the uh, Apple Podcast. And uh, yeah, send us an email to the Sontopsy Report at gmail.com. And uh, why don't you tell us what your last sexual experience in the car was like? You don't have to. We'd love to hear it. And Steve, where may we find you? <laughs> uh, you may find me here in this exact moment where nothing happened in between. And certainly. certainly. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at your Mantrolo. Yes, what was that? Wait, website? And in uh, those places. And I will also occasionally look at the, 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 uh, the accounts for the show as well so i will definitely look at those yes we had a listener hit you guys up if i recall yep yeah i can't was it oh i don't want to i don't want to dox him but uh he he has an idea for a song that i we can certainly do when i'm not here (laughs) oh you're talking about anal cunt (laughs) (laughs) that's not his name but no no. no, that's not the listener no he has some awful parents (laughs) this guy's dope he uh yeah he's a glass blower He's cool, man. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. I'm Nick Breedier. I'm Mike Russell. So now I'm praying for the end of time. So hurry up and arrive. Because if I got to spend another minute with you, I don't think that I can really survive. That seems oddly truthful for you, Steve. <laughs>